This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, Real Life Sango. How are you? You good? Yeah, I have been married uh, 43 years now. Let me tell you how long I have been married. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I was uh, talking with my wife, Jeannie, and she said, what time will you leave in the morning? I said, I'll leave about 6.45. And she said, kiss me now. Don't wake me up in the morning. <laughs> so uh, if, you, if you're not there yet, guys, you will, you will get there soon. So it is, uh, is an honor to be here. I did indeed pastor uh, Brentwood Baptist Church for 32 years, and somebody says, what's the secret? I don't know. I just got up and went to work, and there was something to do, and we did that, and then we did what we had to do the next day, and before you knew it, 32 years was uh, down, uh, down, uh, you know, down the way, and, uh, and then uh, God rewarded me for not killing my twin boys uh, when they were younger and blessed me with four grandchildren. And so I have three girls and one little boy. And I, don't, I, I raise boys. Now, the, the thing about raising boys is you can hit boys. You know? Hey, listen, have you ever noticed the story of, um, of Joseph? When he's introduced in the scriptures, the only thing the Bible writer says about him is this, and Joseph was 17. See? Everybody in the church goes, oh, okay, that, that explains everything he got into. All right, he was 17. I, I don't understand little girl world. You can look at a girl and she'll scream. And everybody in the house looks at me and goes, what did you do? I, I, I was just, just standing here. I don't know. So, so now my well-being with my wife is totally dependent on how many times and how loudly my granddaughters scream because she knows it is my fault. And, um, and so I'll have to pay rent on that, I am sure. It is, it is good to be here. Uh, and now... Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the Engaged Church Network. Um, the Engaged Church Network is about healthy churches throughout the Middle Tennessee area, from Kentucky to Alabama, Dixon to Lebanon, that kind of slice of, of Middle Tennessee. There's going to be over 2 million people move into the area in the next few years. Yeah, and they're all going to be on I-24. So. <laughs> Uh, um, word got out about what it is, uh, how good it is living in Middle Tennessee, everything from low taxes to a good education to a beautiful area, and people from all over the world are now founding out about Middle Tennessee, and they are moving here. Places from California, Illinois, Massachusetts, all of these states are now feeding the population of Tennessee. Now, if you're an old Southern Baptist like I am, what have you just heard? You heard pioneer states. Remember, we used to call them pioneer states, which means we didn't have a lot of Baptists in those areas. 
The people that are moving to Middle Tennessee are moving here because they love Tennessee, not necessarily to find a church. Okay, which means we have to have a lot of churches and a lot of different kinds of churches. There is a reason Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors of ice cream. Okay, what Baskin Robbins has decided is we're going to get you ice cream. We don't care what flavor it is. And what we have to decide because we are now missionaries, get this, you, we are now missionaries. We're no longer chaplains of the status quo. We are now missionaries in this new adventure that we call Middle Tennessee. And uh, we're going to have to have as many different types of churches. Now, here's what we're finding out. Uh, we can plant. Um, for years, we have thrown church planters like Freddie T out of a car somewhere and said, go start a church. And there was about a 20% success rate of that. So you beat the odds. Okay, it's about 20% success rate. Here's an interesting thing. Publix knows where the next Publix is going to be. They know who the manager of that new Publix is going to be, and they're training that manager at another public store. There is no reason the church should not be as intentional in starting new churches as we are Publix in starting new grocery stores. Okay? There should be an understanding of where your next church plant is going to be. We should already know who the pastor of that church is going to be, and that pastor should be in training under the leadership of Freddie. And that's where we're going. Because I don't know if you know it, but there is a crisis of pastors. There are 400 churches in Tennessee right now that do not have a pastor. Okay? And we're not training them up. Okay? Traditional thing of going to college four years, going to seminary three years, and then coming back is no longer, no longer viable. A church without a pastor cannot wait seven years. Okay? Guess how we used to train pastors? In the local church. In fact, it's not unusual for you to find an older pastor who will talk about his boys. Yeah, that's one of my boys. What does that mean? That was somebody who would train with him. And then he sent him out and is now continuing that mentorship. Guess where we're going back? We're going to start training pastors in the local church and sending them out. That's, that's where that's going to happen. And that's what the Engaged Church Network is about. And I'm glad that Freddie and Real Life are part of that. I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. I grew up in the middle of the space race, and it was a great place to live. Um, but when I was growing up in Huntsville, all the cool things happened in Birmingham. If you wanted to see a cool band, if you wanted to see a great concert, you wanted to think that you had to go to Birmingham. So I went to college in Birmingham. And all the cool stuff had moved to Atlanta. <laughs> if you wanted to see a cool band, if you wanted to see any kind of cool event, you had to go to Atlanta. So now I end up in Nashville, right? The it city. Everybody's moving to Nashville. But do you know what city was on the front page of Money Magazine? Huntsville. 
It's now the cool city. Isn't it funny how it always happens somewhere else? Never happens here. Even in your own life, there's going to be a time when everything is worked out. And we as evangelicals look forward to the day when Christ will return and complete his redemptive work and everything will be made right one day, someday, but never now. It's always going to be some other day. It's always going to be some other place. It's always going to be with somebody else. Never here. Never now. Never with you. We're not the first ones to make that mistake. Let's pick up the story in John 11. The story of the death of Lazarus. And we're going to pick it up when Jesus arrives... And Martha goes to meet him. <clears throat> Verse 20. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus said. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is God's word for God's people. Hear it. Believe it and live. Let's pray together. All of us come with broken hearts. All of us come with burdens that are beyond our telling. So we pray, Father... That as you came to Martha, you will now come to us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. We have a couple of stories from Mary and Martha. You're familiar with most of them. Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus lived in a town called Bethany, which is just outside Jerusalem. Whenever Jesus was in the Jerusalem area, it seems that he would stay with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It seems that Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends. Now, you're familiar with the story where Jesus was staying with this family and everybody had eaten, and according to the custom, the men got up from the table and retreated into the living room, and there they would discuss the events of the day. Mary went with the men. Martha got mad. She stepped into Jesus and said, is it right that I have to clean the dishes while Mary listens to you? 
And you remember Jesus told Martha, you're concerned about a lot of things, only one thing matters, and Mary has chosen that. And everybody gets down on Martha. Boo, Martha. Boo, Martha. And all of my house-making um, friends have reminded me that this happened after everybody had eaten. Oh, yeah, have supper, then get all theolo theological. But nobody said anything about Martha cooking the dinner. Now we have another story. You're familiar with it. Word comes to Jesus. Lazarus is sick. And he doesn't go. Word comes again. Lazarus is really sick. And he doesn't go. Word finally comes. Lazarus has died. He still doesn't go. Finally, after several days, Jesus ends up going. The people tell Mary and Martha, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Mary waits for Jesus in the house. Martha would have none of it. She ran to meet him. And this is, you know Martha is from the South because she can say one of the hardest things, one of the most blunt things, but say it real sweetly. <laughs> if you had been here, our brother would not have died. If you had been here. We sent word, but you didn't come. Lazarus was your best friend, and you didn't come. We sent word after word. We told you how serious it was, and you didn't come. Our brother would not have died if you had been here. Translated, where were you? Jesus tells her that Lazarus will live again. She thinks she's getting the same thing that we all tell each other at every funeral. He's in a better place. He's in a better, he, she's in a better place. My father passed away in 2012. People came by and told me, your dad's in a better place. And I kept telling them, I don't care. I want my dad with me. Oh, I know, Martha says, when the Son of Man returns in the last day, he'll be raised from the dead and we'll enjoy each other's company forever. Martha goes future tense. One day, it's going to be like this. One day, when the Messiah finishes his redemptive work, one day, it will be like this. Look at what Jesus does. Look at it. I am present tense she answers future tense he brings it back to present tense I know how it's going to be Martha do you know how it is now One day, uh -uh, right now, 
right here, right now, I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? Now, let's talk about this word belief. We have mangled this word so it no longer means anything, right? Uh, I, I believe it, it will rain today. Uh, I, I believe my football team will win next year. I, I, I believe we're going to have a good time on summer vacation. I believe, I hope, I win. That is not what the word belief means. The word belief literally translated means to put your weight down. Okay, it literally means to, well, there's an old missionary story about uh, the, they were passing a plate and this very new Christian was in the congregation and they handed the plate to him. He didn't know what the plate was for. So they whispered, this is what the plate means. So in response, he put the plate on the floor and stood in it. Okay, that's belief. I'm following Jesus. So I put my weight down on his teachings. Okay, if you don't live it, you don't believe it. Okay, if you don't live it, you don't believe it. I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? Look at what Martha says. I believe in you. I may not understand all everything about the resurrection. I may not have figured out what's going to happen tomorrow or today. I may not understand why you didn't come when I called for you about Lazarus. But here's what I know. I believe in you. Now, let's talk about how, how, how we break this down, okay? I, I love all of these great teachings, but then we don't know how to live them. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 talks about, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, give your prayers and supplications to God with thanksgiving. You familiar with that? It's a verse we quote a lot to other people. You ever notice that? This is the verse we say to other people. They're going through a hard time. Well, the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. If we're anxious, shut down the machinery. Right? And somebody says to you, don't be anxious. Just give all your prayers and stuff. I, I don't care. Right? Let me tell you how you misread this passage. Most of us hear the phrase, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything give your prayers and your burdens to God in prayer and supplication. So we hear the word, when you're anxious, pray. So we get anxious, we get uptight, we're worried about the future, we pray, we pray, we pray. And then all of a sudden somebody says, well, there's with thanksgiving. Okay, I'm grateful, I'm anxious, but now i got to pray. Uh-uh, that's not what he says. You are to do this with thanksgiving as it were. All right? Let me tell you my own experience. Uh, we have uh, started the, the nonprofit, which means I stepped away from a full-time paying job to, well, not as much money. Okay? Now we're having to apply for Medicare and, and, and all of that stuff, right? And somebody says, what's that like? Here's my advice. Die early. <laughs> right? You, get, you call Medicare, and it's a two-hour wait time on the phone. Two hours. Okay, just die early. It's easier. 
Um, I'm anxious. And sometimes I sit down with a legal pad and, and, and the numbers don't add up. Okay, have you ever been anxious before, Mike? Oh, yeah. When was, when was, when was the last time you, you were anxious? Oh, let me, let, let's go way back. Um, Jeannie gives birth to twin boys. Right? Somebody says, how many kids you have? Two. Road doubles the first time. Man that lucky, doesn't need to play the game. Okay, our insurance at the time doesn't pay for well baby. Okay, thank God our babies are healthy. The hospital says, thank God, and pay us $5,000. All right, I'm 25 years old. I'm in my first church. Where am I going to get $5,000? Oh, they were born in February. April, Uncle Sam wanted three more. Now, I know you're sitting there, $8,000 isn't that much money in the early 80s. To a 25-year-old kid, $8,000 was bankrupt. I'd never seen that amount of money in my life. Did God get you through that? Yeah. Is there another time? Oh, yeah. Those boys grew up. They wanted to go to college. How in the world am I going to put two boys through college at the same time? You do the math, it doesn't add up. Did the boys graduate college? Yeah. And one of them graduated law school, and one of them graduated with an MBA. Did Jesus get you through that? Yes. then he'll probably get you through now. See? When you bang up against it, go back to the last time you felt that way. Was God faithful then? Yes. Was he faithful then? Yes. Now, do you have the confidence he'll be faithful now? I don't understand how it all works. Here's what I know, Jesus. I believe in you. Now, let me tell you why I am burdened to bring this message to you. Some of you came in this morning, and you lied to everybody you talked to. How you doing? Fine. You're not fine. You don't know if your marriage is going to make it. You're not fine. You're worried about your job. You're worried about one of your children. And you don't know how in the world anything good's going to come out of this. Oh, now, you're here at church. Praise God. We look forward to the day when Jesus will come back. Come, Jesus, come quickly. Come before this afternoon, and I have to face this.
You're confident that he can raise the dead in the future. You're confident he will dry every tear from every eye. You're confident that the end will be so glorious that your only response would be to bless him. You're just not sure it can happen here, now. You believe in the resurrection one day. You just don't believe Jesus can do it now. So here's what I want you to do. Now, I know you're scared to death. So I'm going to do something funky and embarrass you, and I'm not. only reason I want you to close your eyes so you're not distracted by anybody around you. Okay? Just take a deep breath. This is a safe place. So let's get to it. Here it is, Jesus. Here's why I'm angry. Here's why I'm having a hard time believe. Here's what's going on in my life. Be as honest as you know how to be. Nothing you say is going to shock Jesus. Nothing you say will surprise him. Here's where I am. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's why I'm praying to you. And I don't know how you're going to answer it. Now, for some of you, it may be that very first prayer. it may be that you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ you don't know what that means but that's okay we don't expect you to have all the answers but find Freddie find me find one of the leaders of this uh, of, of real life Sango we would love to have the opportunity to talk to you about this Maybe there's something else. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. That's fine. Yeah, that is always an honor to do that. Maybe you want to be part of this congregation. Maybe you need a faith community. Let us know that. However, the Lord Jesus has come to you this morning. He's waiting for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come.
Lord Jesus, every life is now before you, every heart. So we pray that the choices and decisions we make are exactly what you want. We pray this in your name. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.